Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome April Craig from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Print. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Moyer and Dr. Gennetto, the Director of the Molecular Technologies Laboratory, and Dr. Gennetto is the Clinical and Forensic Toxicology Laboratory Director in Rochester, Minnesota. Today, we will be discussing precision therapeutics and how it applies to major depressive disorder. Welcome, Dr. Moyer and Dr. Gennetto, and thank you for joining us today. First, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Dr. Moyer, do you want to start? Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you today about the tests that we perform in our labs. I'm a molecular genetic pathologist at Mayo Clinic and specialize in pharmacogenomics and inherited disorders. And originally I was from Platteville, Wisconsin and graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Platteville and then started in the MD-PhD program here at Mayo Clinic. During my thesis work, I was fortunate enough to be mentored by Dr. Richard Winchelbaum, who is a pioneer in pharmacogenomics research. And then shortly thereafter, when I entered the residency program, I learned how to apply pharmacogenomics and other laboratory testing. I went through the residency program in anatomic and clinical pathology also here at Mayo Clinic. And after fellowship in molecular genetics, I joined the staff and currently I'm an associate director for the Molecular Technologies Laboratory. Thank you, Dr. Moyer. Dr. Gennetto. Again, thank you for the opportunity to be here. I earned my Bachelor of Science in Clinical Laboratory Science from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. After working five years as a clinical laboratory scientist, medical technologist, I went back to school and I earned my PhD in pharmacology and toxicology at the Medical College of Wisconsin. I am board certified by the American Board of Clinical Chemistry and the American Society for Clinical Pathology. Prior to working at Mayo Clinic, I was the director of the Clinical Chemistry and Toxicology Lab at Dynacare Laboratories. And I now have been at Mayo Clinic for 10 years, where I serve as the co-director of the Clinical Mass Spectrometry Laboratory, the Clinical and Forensic Toxicology Laboratory, and the Metals Laboratory. In the end, I have overseen, supported, and provided laboratory testing for therapeutic drug monitoring for over 20 years. Thank you for that. Can you please provide an overview of major depressive disorder and the test that Mayo Clinic Laboratories has available for therapeutic drug monitoring as well as pharmacogenomics? Depression is a common illness worldwide with over 280 million people affected, including 5% of adults. Depression results from a complex interaction of social, psychological, and biological factors. During a depressive episode, a person may experience feeling sad, empty or irritable, and has a loss of pleasure or interest in activities for most of the day, nearly every day, for at least two weeks. It can cause the affected person to suffer greatly and even function poorly at work, at school, and in the family. Depending on the severity and pattern of depressive episodes over time, healthcare providers may offer psychological treatments such as behavioral activation, cognitive behavioral therapy, interpersonal psychotherapy, and or antidepressant medications, such as the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or tricyclic antidepressants. While effective psychological and pharmacological treatments exist, 
30 to 40% of depressive patients do not respond to therapy. At Mayo Clinic, we offer several therapeutic drug monitoring assays to help personalize dosing. Therapeutic drug monitoring is the quantification and interpretation of drug concentrations in the blood, typically serum, to optimize pharmacotherapy. We offer therapeutic drug monitoring tests for numerous medications, including two commonly prescribed drug classes used in major depressive disorders, the tricyclic antidepressants and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. All right, on the pharmacogenomics side, we offer some complementary testing. So our testing will help identify which medication might be the most effective choice for an individual patient. And the pharmacogenomic tests cover a lot of the same drug classes that you just heard about from Dr. Gennetto. So rather than evaluating the level of the drug once the patient has started taking it, in pharmacogenomics, we evaluate the patient's genes to determine if there are genetic changes or variants that might result in differences in how a patient would respond to a drug. So in contrast to serum as the main specimen type, we like whole blood and pharmacogenomics because we need to be able to have some cells that we can extract DNA from. So our current testing focuses mostly on genes that are encoding enzymes that are involved in metabolizing the medications that the patient might take. So if a patient has a genetic variant that would decrease the enzyme activity, for some drugs that might mean that they would not metabolize it as effectively and might need a different dose or a different medication. And some genetic variants can also result in metabolizing a medication more quickly than average. And a patient in that case might end up needing a higher dose or maybe again, a different drug. So a few of the genes that we're studying at this point in the pharmacogenomic testing do not encode drug metabolizing enzymes, but rather the actual drug targets. But most of the genes are involved in metabolism at this point. And currently pharmacogenomic testing is really best able to help narrow down the medications that a prescriber might try first for a patient or to help with the dosing decisions. But there's a lot of research that's still ongoing in this area, which I think is really exciting. So hopefully over time, the testing can become increasingly informative. And maybe at some point we'll be able to say, oh, look at this, based on the genetic variants that you have, this is the specific drug that you should take. But right now we're really mostly able to do some work to narrow down the options in pharmacogenomics. And we have a couple different testing options, but in general, we offer a panel and some individual genes. And for a patient with major depressive disorder who especially might be taking an SSRI or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor again, the two key genes really are CYP2D6 and CYP2C19. And both of which of those genes, we offer very comprehensive testing, both on the panels and as individual genetic tests. And we include genetic variants that are common, as well as variants that might be rare in some populations and common in other populations. Which patients should have this testing or when should it be performed? Pharmacogenomic testing is used with increasing frequency at this point in time. It's something that people are really excited about. So if a patient is interested in having testing performed, you could pretty much use it for anyone as long as they're going into it with realistic expectations. So again, I mentioned a minute ago that we can't at this point in psychiatry space in particular get to the level of granularity to say this is the exact dose and the exact drug, but again, we can help narrow down what medication might be best. So the other thing is that there are some medications where there's just no pharmacogenomic associations. So in those cases, again, it might not be as helpful, but most patients will eventually take a medication where this is useful. So it could be broadly applicable to pretty much anybody. 
So that said, with major depressive disorder, I'd really recommend especially testing patients who've tried several medications and they're still unable to achieve symptom control or patients who are on many different medications, because sometimes the pharmacogenomics can also help sort out some of the more complex, well, not really the drug-drug interactions, but it can be another layer on top of that. So pharmacogenomics can be really helpful in those sorts of scenarios. And similarly, if a patient is on a lot of different medications, if they work with their doctor to use the results, they might be able to guide therapy, not just for their depression, but for some of those other conditions that they might have also. And although over time, the tests will hopefully be continuing to improve, the actual genes that a patient has don't change. So the results should be useful for some time after the initial clinical question where the testing was originally performed, but I wouldn't consider it a lifetime test because again, the testing will improve over time, but it certainly can be used for a lot of other questions beyond just what antidepressant is going to work best. So something else that's sometimes helpful is family history. And so a lot of times in depression, if you've got a family member that also has the same disorder and there's a medication that works fantastically for them, if you know what that is, that can be a good place to start. But some families are a little bit more hesitant to talk about healthcare in general, and other patients might not really have an extensive family history. So for those patients, even if they haven't tried any antidepressants yet, it could be helpful just to go ahead and use a pharmacogenomic test up front because it really might shorten that trial and error period. So with pharmacogenomics, it tends to be used before the patient starts their medication in some cases, and then you can predict what to put them on in the first place. But also if they're already on a medication and it's not working particularly well, that's also a fantastic use for pharmacogenomics. But therapeutic drug monitoring, I think it's gonna work a little bit better once they're already on the medication. So I'll pass it off to Dr. Gennetto to tell you more. For therapeutic drug monitoring, it considers the inter-individual variability of pharmacokinetics and thus enables personalized pharmacotherapy. It is recommended in several clinical situations. For example, it can be used to investigate non-compliance or non-response at therapeutic doses or drug-drug interactions. It can also be used to avoid or help explain adverse drug reactions and toxicity. And it may be beneficial in special patient populations, such as children, adolescents, pregnant women, and elderly patients. Therapeutic drug monitoring is typically performed using a patient's serum once they reach steady state concentrations. So you have to be taking the drug, as Dr. Moyer mentioned. And it takes approximately five to seven half-lives of the drug to actually reach steady state. For some selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, this means waiting three to four weeks after initiation or any time the medication dosage is changed until therapeutic drug monitoring is performed. Timing of the blood collection is also important as most reference or therapeutic ranges are based on trough concentrations. A trough collection is up to one hour before the next scheduled dosage. This helps minimize the variability around the pharmacokinetic parameters like absorption, distribution, metabolism, and elimination in a patient. In the end, therapeutic drug monitoring consensus guidelines like those in neuropsychopharmacology, as well as other professional societies like the World Federation of Societies of Biological Psychiatry, all highlight the benefits of therapeutic drug monitoring to optimize pharmacotherapy. What alternative test options are available and how do these compare? In addition to the pharmacogenetic testing and therapeutic drug monitoring testing, physicians should also monitor other physiological responses. Traditional chemistry testing, example, electrolytes like sodium, 
EKG testing, monitoring of weight, any physical signs or symptoms of toxicity are also recommended. However, therapeutic drug monitoring guidelines typically still show the added benefits of serially measuring drug concentrations to individualize therapy. While some patients with serum drug concentrations within the reported therapeutic reference range show the highest probability of response or remission, others will require much higher doses or sometimes even subtherapeutic concentrations to achieve the same clinical success. As a result, therapeutic drug monitoring is typically performed during dose titration, and the concentrations are interpreted in the full context of the patient's demographic characteristics and clinical status. And over time, as other medications are introduced or other disease processes like renal or liver function changes occur, therapeutic drug monitoring can then be used to help adjust the dose to ensure the patient remains in their individual therapeutic reference range. Yeah, Dr. Gennato did a great job already of covering the tests outside of therapeutic drug monitoring and pharmacogenomics. So I'll just add a little bit more about some of the differences in the pharmacogenomic test options that we do offer. So I mentioned a little bit ago that in the pharmacogenomic space, we offer both single gene tests and panels. And really the genes, like the actual from a technical standpoint, it's identical. But the differences are that for the panels, we provide medication recommendations on the report. And these are really based on the FDA label, the Clinical Pharmacogenetics Implementation Consortium or CPIC guidelines and the literature. And we do this directly without the use of any sort of proprietary algorithms. The goal really is to facilitate the use of pharmacogenomics and especially even for providers who are newer to pharmacogenomics. And within the panels, our psychotropic panel is the one that's more comprehensive, including both genes with a very, very high level of evidence, and then also some that are still emerging. And so I'd really anticipate that this panel would be most attractive to people who are possibly already familiar with pharmacogenomics and treating patients who have undergone multiple medication trials, but also people who might be newer to pharmacogenomics and are treating patients who have very severe disease. In that case, sometimes some of those emerging genes might be also a little bit helpful to tailor what medication someone's going to try or the dosing. But in addition to the psychotropic panel, we have a focused panel, and this one only has medication recommendations with just the highest level of evidence, but it's also a more general use panel. So it includes genes that are associated with commonly prescribed medications in general, and that would include some outside of the psychiatry space as well. It does include CYP2D6 and CYP2C19. And again, from a technical standpoint, it's the exact same genetic variants. We still get copy number for both CYP2D6 on both of those panels. And so I think this would also be a really great option and particularly for someone that's practicing in a primary care setting or if they're managing patients who have multiple medications that they're taking. And finally, there are some providers who really prefer the individual genes and we offer those too. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to know which medication someone might be using the test for if they're ordering a single gene because there are many different medications that are metabolized by CYP2D6 and CYP2C19, for example. So in those cases, we don't really put a lot of detail in the comments as to medication recommendations, but if someone really preferred the single gene options and needed help guiding therapy, we're only a phone call away and we really like talking about test interpretation or if someone's trying to decide which of these options would be best for their patient population, definitely happy to provide more details about these testing options. How are the results used in patient care? For pharmacogenomics, some medications have dosing guidance in the FDA label, 
And other medications don't, but again, CPIC, or the Clinical Pharmacogenetics Implementation Consortium, has created some guidelines for the use of pharmacogenomic information. So I think both of those are really good places for a provider to look because they will provide information about whether you should increase a dose or decrease a dose or sometimes suggest maybe an alternate medication. But in general, the basic premise is that if someone has drastically altered CYP2D6 metabolism, but let's say they're a normal CYP2C19 metabolizer, well, maybe they would want to pick a medication first that's metabolized by mostly CYP2C19, so they wouldn't even have to worry about the patient having reduced CYP2D6 metabolism. And a lot of the SSRIs are metabolized by one or the other, although some of them are metabolized by both. So sometimes you can do something simple like that, but usually it's a lot more complicated than that. But basically, at the end of the day, the genetic findings can be used for both medication selection and for dosing. The therapeutic drug monitoring guidelines for neural psychopharmacology show that therapeutic drug monitoring can be useful specifically for special indications or problem solving. Therapeutic drug monitoring can be used to evaluate whether drug concentrations are in accordance with the dose-related reference ranges. Since numerous demographic, disease-related, or chemical and environmental factors can all affect the drug concentrations, it's important to individualize and follow a patient's drug concentration. For example, subtherapeutic drug monitoring level results in a non-responder who is taking standard doses, and they may only obtain clinical improvement with a dosage increase and a subsequent rise in the drug concentration. Conversely, a patient may need higher or supertherapeutic concentrations and be refractory to standard drug concentrations. In these cases, Patients need higher dosages and concentrations to achieve any clinical benefit. Therapeutic drug monitoring can also be used to identify and explain drug-drug interactions and changes in clinical efficacy or toxicity. In the end, both pharmacogenomics and therapeutic drug monitoring can help maximize efficacy while minimizing toxicity for antidepressant therapy. However, both pharmacogenomics and therapeutic drug monitoring should be interpreted in the full context of the patient's demographic characteristics and clinical status. Thank you for your time today. For more information, you can always log on and go to our website at mayocliniclaboratories.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.